The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from inside a Dalek in the moon, listening to a mummy programming a robot go flatline while performing a time heist in the forest of the night, deep in dark water of heaven. It's Doctor Who, Pachak. Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 319. This is Louis Trapani, and joining me live on the show is none other than Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Let me just take a deep breath. <laughs> Let me calm myself down. <laughs> I'm sorry for having you rattle there. It's, uh, it's my fault, and you know... You know, sometimes you know you better. It's best not to muck about with uh, with software and what have you. I, I I suspect I might know what the problem is, but I'm not sure. It's it's. I think it's one of two pieces of, of software, and I'm going to try to resolve it. But since the show was running late, since um, I couldn't get the recorded audio to play, uh, I opted to uh, to just go the sh- to start the show without the recorded audio bits and pieces and bobs and. You know, and then through timey wimey editing, we'll have it in the finished show when it goes out on the feeds. So, Yay. yes, and for those that are in North America, or I guess um, you know, in the U.S. to be exact, uh, happy Thanksgiving for those that have just celebrated it. It was uh, this past Thursday. And we took a couple of weeks uh, to uh, gather our thoughts and give thanks to uh, this past series of Doctor Who, the 2014 series, or sometimes known as Series 8. And this is the first series of um, with the 12th Doctor, and that's what we're going to be reviewing shortly. But first, before we go into that... Um, there's been some news. Not all, uh, oh, so we we gave there, there was a breath of time, a deep a deep breath of time between our last recorded live review and this one to give people a chance to kind of sort of catch up, um, you know, to uh, review some of the episodes perhaps, or should I say re-review, and um, to get a feel of, of of the whole series as whole and let it sink in after a couple weeks because. Um, I have to say, you know, reviewing the live shows as they go out is kind of hectic because of scheduling-wise. By the time, um, if you're getting them through iTunes, they come out in the middle of the morning and you're watching it and then you really don't have time to really thoroughly digest the episode and let it soak in before having to review it. So um, sometimes it's a, it's a bit rushed and hectic. But as I said, there is... Um, there is other stuff to talk about other than 
What did I just? Cl- I, did, I think I might have just closed the document I meant to keep open. <laughs> uh, that's just me talking to myself. Uh, yeah. So there, there's been some news. We uh, we know now the name of the next episode, which is the Christmas special, which we've just refer- <clears throat> we've just been referring to, in, to referring to it as the. 2014 Christmas special now actually has a name and it's called Last Christmas. And somebody here said they wanted to hear me sing. I think the song goes, Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. <laughs> or is it something different to that? <laughs> well, it's, we'll be listening to you in the episode itself. I will be. Uh, I think it's, it's ambiguous on purpose because it could mean. Last Christmas, meaning the year before. It could mean the last Christmas for a particular character. Or it could mean birth. Last Christmas Christmas ever. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so we know it's uh, that Peter Capaldi is back as the 12th Doctor. No surprise there. And uh, if I don't know. Okay, well, spoiler alert. We know it's, it's, well, there, there was a children in need. Which I think was before it was after our last live show, so that, I guess that that qualifies as news as well. There was a children in need clip that was uh, put out. Uh, when I say children in need, that's for those that aren't familiar with it. It's a charity fundraiser that the BBC does uh, each year, uh, usually like around the second week of November. Is it Dave, or or the first week, or? Somewhere uh, early November. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly mid-November, and uh, I think this year, uh, during the actual weekend of it, they raised something like £30 million, which is uh, about, I don't know, $45, 46000000 million. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it gets added to beyond that because some, uh, some events uh, have been running for months and some events uh, run on from that. Um, so hopefully the final total, I think last year it was over $40 million. Even though it was a fairly austere year here in the UK, because of course, like uh, most of the Western world, uh, you know, ever since 2008, uh, people's standard of living has been going down. But their ability to think of others and um, give to charity uh, seems to be uh, still there and, uh, and all goodness to it. Although I must admit, I did see one tweet, nothing to do with that, but it was to do with uh, your Black Friday. That, not uh, mine. <laughs> so some, well, not yours. But I know. To, Americans say that uh, isn't it amazing that the, the day after people give Thanksgiving for all they've got, they then go into a shop and knock people about to make sure they get some more. Yeah, not not, not everyone does that. I just have to proclaim. I make it a point to stay away from all. You know, I don't go to any stores on the day after Thanksgiving. And I, now I have to say I don't go to any stores on Thanksgiving Day itself or the day after. So um, for those that are burdened retail people that are that have to work, I'm not part of your problem. <laughs> it's it's all yeah, these others probably. that are clamoring for sales and trampling over people. And um, I don't know. You know what? There's a thing called the Internet. And you know maybe maybe the prices won't be as low as uh, as the Black Friday sales at the retail stores, but you don't have the mobs and you don't have footprints on your face, <laughs> you know. And it's uh, it's a much better experience. Yeah, price putting brain is put irony Friday. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's uh, well it goes to your point. You know, 
where you know the one day you give thanks and then the next day we don't have enough. <laughs> <laughs> and now tomorrow is Cyber Monday, which to me is another thing where it, it's just a contrived thing, you know, where you know you you have every day is Cyber Monday as far as um, the internet is concerned. But it's an excuse for okay. online retailers to to do sales and an excuse to flood your emails with with so much email so much email comes in at this time or you know uh, you know even even stuff you voluntarily subscribe to they inundate you with uh with all these sales stuff every day you know or, or sometimes multiple times a day i'm like okay give it a break all right well <laughs> What did Kyle say? This is a day when upgrades for cyber control to go on sale. Upgrade your Cybermen on Cyber Monday. Yeah, well, it's funny. Uh, a couple of years ago, I I guess it was on Instagram, I posted a, you know, it was Cyber Monday, so I posted, I took some photos of um, Cybermen figures and made it up, you know, to look like an old, you know, black and white Cybermen episode and, and posted that up there for Cyber Cyber Monday. Uh, well, we'll be talking about Cybermen um, in this in this um, episode of Doctor Who Podshop because um, that's how the series ends. And well, I guess well, let's finish let's finish with the news before we get into the review, and we'll, we'll do a spoil art before we get into the review. But um, so, getting back to last Christmas, so there was a Children in Need preview clip from the special last Christmas that was um, I, I don't have I don't recall the exact date, but it was a couple of weeks ago that it was. Um, during ch- during the Children in Need fundraiser, so um, so I, I guess a spoiler alert is is needed here. If, if you didn't see that clip, but there is a character there that I guess it's no no surprise that Jenna Coleman is back as Clara Oswald. Um, you know, because we see her in that clip, uh, as well as we see Nick Frost as Santa Claus, which we saw at the end in the series finale. So. Um, you know that that's that's no surprise either. Um, other as far as other, since we're speaking about actors and actresses that are in it, we know also that Michael Troughton, uh, the son of Patrick Troughton, the second Doctor, is in the special. Though we don't have, we don't know what character at this point he's playing. Um, right. Others include Dan Starkey, who's playing a character named Ian, Natalie. Gumad, uh, again, character to be announced, uh, part that she, and Faye Marcy, um, again, character to be announced. So, and we're assuming this will be on Christmas Day, as it traditionally is. So, December 25th is when the next Doctor Who special, and usually the Doctor Who Christmas specials run at least about an hour, I would say, if, if not, sometimes a little more, but I think we should expect. Um, about a 60-minute episode minimum. Yep. So, and when, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, uh, if the cyber guards uh, allow it, we'll be back with a live episode with li- with clips, with with uh, recorded audio as well, if, if all goes well. <laughs> if not, maybe not. Who knows? Or maybe we'll do it like this. We'll, we'll do it roar, in the roar. Unplugged, yeah. Cyber uh, Doctor Who Pachak unplugged. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so in other news, now speaking of Jenna Coleman, I don't know if it's official news, but somehow in the news it's re- it was reported that she, and I forgive me if this is a spoiler or not, I don't know, is that she will be staying on for the next series? Well, she's supposed to have had a change of heart. That's how the story goes. That um, that uh, don't forget, uh, they always have to give a lot of warning with things like this. And and one of the slightly uh, things that overshadowed a little bit of Capaldi coming in as the new doctor was that um, you know he's going to have to find a new assistant because you know only a couple of weeks in, and he went on. Uh, I think it was the Today Show in the UK, and uh, they were already asking him. Uh, and he said, as far as I know, I've got a companion, and that's it. Uh, and um, all sorts of rumours like that. But um, it seems as though there's been in the background a change of heart that she perhaps actually, maybe she wasn't sure how she would fit uh, uh, alongside Peter Capaldi. Maybe she was thinking that, uh, you know, at that point they hadn't changed the way Clara was going to, to move forward as a companion. And it's not unknown, of course. Sarah Jane Smith, um, uh, the companion, was uh, due to leave um, at, at one point and then then stayed. Um, you know, we did uh, was it till Hand of Fear? Um, so, uh, what was the last one she was in? That was right. She she read about the um, the um, on set one that was going to be done at Port Marion. Um, the uh, Master of Mandragra mm-hmm. and um, she liked that script so she actually stayed on <clears throat> for four more episodes than she was originally going to, to leave so there's a lovely symmetry in that um, because um, well I perhaps mentioned it again right at the end but um, I did mention it I think before that um, the in the final episode of this series the actual uh, conversation that Clara and the Doctor have where they're both lying to each other and the Doctor says he's found um, oh, we said he's, he said he gives spoilers before I talk about it but um, anyway, there's a symmetry between um, the Sarah Jane character leaving uh, going to leave and then staying on and now we have Clara now she hasn't said when she's staying on to but it looks as though she's not going to be there for the whole series but certainly for four or five episodes and I hope they leave it as vague as that Um, uh, because I don't like to know when the companions leave I like it to be a shock well could this also be a ruse could this also be that maybe she is actually because uh, since the cat got out of the bag that she was leaving now everyone's expecting it so now maybe they're they're trying to uh, you know uh, make people believe that she will be staying on so that she when she actually does leave now at at, at Christmas it will be more impactful or if she is definitely coming back then my my concern is that we're getting like it's going to be similar to what we had with Amy and Rory, where it seemed like they they were constantly leaving and then coming back, and it meant when they actually did leave, it, it had less of an impact. And I, I feel you know we've already had an episode now, the last episode that she left, and now we know she's back for Christmas. And now if she if 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 they did shoot a a scene where she leaves again and it's like a big goodbye at the end of Christmas and then she's back whenever the series comes back, September or, or whenever they plan for 2015 to come back. Um, it's just going to be, when she actually does leave, 
like it's 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 like the you know the boy that cried wolf you know here we go again and it's just it's just not going to have the same impact as it would i feel well well i think the i think the reason will be that there's no uh, certainty about it either way is that um it assuming that the script has already been commissioned uh, maybe they've they've had to do a certain amount of rewriting and they may have to find a suitable point for her departure again and that may not have yet been pinned down uh, i was only looking at um the series we're going to review in a minute uh, the, the 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 running blocks um of when these were filmed and it, it was quite surprising to me that um and, and i think we put the link in the wikipedia page that um the blocks it was filmed in uh, actually in the forest of the night um was the actual seventh block of filming um but that was actually you know uh, episode 10 uh, so the you know, uh, so the way that they, they write the stories, depending on whether they've got CGI to do or whether they've got to set up uh, location shooting or, or whether there's some other a guest star that they want on is only available or, or what have you. So there's an awful lot of imponderables there that would necessitate them not being able to say uh, when she would go. But I would think anyway they wouldn't want to say when i think basically this is there's a lot of truth in there i think maybe i mean uh, don't speculate maybe maybe Clara was thinking that you know um the the, the, the impossible girl's story had been told and that it, it, it was coming up time i think she'd been companion for 18 months at the time when she was thinking this but on the other hand uh, the quality of the script i mean to me again uh, sort of jumping the gun on our review here I think she's been about one of the best companions ever, new series are old and I'm a very staunch fan of the uh, three companions of old uh, Jamie, Zoe and Sarah Jane Smith mm -hmm. who've always been my top ones with people like Stephen and uh, uh, and others uh, and even going back to the very first two companions um, Ian. I mean I've got lots of yeah. Yeah, Ian, Ian and, and Barbara yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they set the mould. I mean, sure. you know, they're the one you measure all companions. But to me, and I realise this has been divisive with some fans because they felt as though uh, her star has risen so much she's, she's almost eclipsed Capaldi, but I think that's been due to this sort of slow-burn introduction they wanted with Edith Capaldi. They were thinking that perhaps for the newer, younger fans who are used to a dynamic, young, you know, dashing hero, although whether you can call a chap the Boltaire dashing hero, I don't know, but certainly with the, the, the David Tennant fans, um, they, they may have thought they needed a little bit more, you know, groundwork to get them used to having a, an older, a more complementative, uh, what the word is, yeah. uh, doctor mm -hmm. in the things. And again, harkens back a little bit, and people have talked about this, uh, is this the Colin Baker Sixth Doctor done correctly? But again, I, I'm jumping the gun on what I thought about the series as a whole, but I, I think basically, you know, she's she's meshed and uh, on set with Peter Capaldi, and, and she's realised that this is a brilliant thing and um, a good honour, and I, I, I hope it doesn't leak which episode she does a finally leave on. Um, 
because we've had we've had things like this before, haven't yeah. we? We've had we've had we've had companions' histories rewritten, haven't they? You know, did they die or did they go off with a king? You know, absolutely, yeah. Well, as always, time will tell. I mean, I, I agree with uh, some of the sentiment there. I mean, first of all, I, I mean, I agree with you as far as uh, Jenner Coleman goes and Clara. I, I think are very. Uh, she did an excellent job, and, and it was written very well. I mean, she's a one of my favorite companions. So um, that said, that I mean, if she, there is some changes I would like to have seen, you know, I, I think there is. I think you're right about um, having this maybe slow rollout of the new Doctor to ease younger viewers that aren't familiar with maybe an older, you know, actor playing the Doctor. I don't know. You know. Yeah, contemporary. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's why she had she had more of a center spotlight on her in this series, more so than even the Doctor, perhaps. I don't know. So, um, so, so yeah, that, that is something that um, would be um, uh, of concern, you know, as far as continuing on, is that, that maybe that balances out a little bit more. The other thing is um, it would be nice to have her now, especially since she's not dating anyone. Um, she doesn't have something, you know, other than a job there at, at, on Earth, Maybe she might be more compelled to travel with the doctor instead of the doctor constantly having to come back to Earth to drop her off and then the next episode come back to Earth to pick her up and then, you know, and then drop her off again. And then, you know, this whole delivery service, it's, you know, I know they did it with uh, Amy and Rory at the end, too, but it's I think it's it's kind of drawn out. I would like just to uh, to go forward, you know, and, and not having to be anchored to Earth all the time. I mean, I suppose we should rein ourselves in somewhat here. Uh, uh, Price William Brain says patrician uh, as the 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 way the doctor would be. But um, I mean, we are talking about this uh, in news, so um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about her leaving. There's um, there's a couple of other pieces of news um, out there, of course. Uh, in particular, there's one here in the UK um, about. Um, well, uh, about Bernard Cribbins. Oh, he he was uh, he was awarded, right? Yes, he was awarded the uh, J M Barry Award. Uh, J M Barry, of course, the writer of Peter Pan, uh, who the award is named after. But uh, veteran actor and centre, and this is from News dot net, eighteenth uh, of November. I think that's after we did our last recorded show. Uh, Bernard Cribbins has been awarded the annual J.M. Barry Award for a lifetime of unforgettable work for children on stage, film, television and record. Mm. Uh, and of course it, it, it lists then some of the things he's been in. Jack and Ori, I mean of course this is all UK centric. Uh, apologies to those people who are not familiar with some of these things but uh, Jack and Ori, The One Wolf, uh, Jack's Old Boat which is a very fairly recent thing. Um, but, um, of course, he was in Voyage of the Dam recently in Doctor Who and uh, all the other ones. And, of course, uh, Cribbin's first contact with Doctor Who came in the 1966 feature film Dalek's Invasion of Earth, 2150 AD, where he played Tom Campbell alongside Peter Cushing's portrayal of mm-hmm. the Doctor. Yeah, you just... Uh... You just read my mind because I was just going to remind listeners, you know, of his history. Uh, and, of course, he played Wilf later on um, in um, in more recent years. Yeah, and also famous for other things, not non-SF. I mean, with uh, Jenny Agatha, 
and Gary Warren in the Whale Railway Children from 1970 played the uh, the station master Albert Perks. But he's, he's done all sorts of things. Um, really, an accomplished man, and um, to me, one of the greatest. Uh, I don't know if we can call him companions, but um, I think I almost preferred him to Donna Noble, but I know that might be contentious with some people. I mean, uh, he was absolutely a star. Mm-hmm. No, he's a great character. It would be um, be nice to uh, kind of you know see him again in some form or fashion again. But it seems that a lot of the characters from the Russell T Davies era haven't really crossed the bridge to the Stephen Moffat era. Uh, you know, the same thing with uh, Captain Jack and um, some of the other familiar faces. Even uh, that, that that anchor woman that Russell T Davies was fancy on, using multiple times on on the fictitious uh, American news network. Oh, the newsreader woman, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's a conscious break. I mean... Oh, yeah, I, the I main, believe so, the too. The main yeah. clue to that... The main clue to that, of course, is the opening credits, you know, a complete change from uh, spatial opening credits to a more time-based mm-hmm. one. Oh, and, and rightly so. It's I, I wasn't, you know, um, criticizing Stephen Moffat for not using it. I'm, I'm just saying it, 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 it seems to be, you, you know, maybe now enough time has gone by where you can, you know, maybe dip into that pool one, you know, not you know. Uh, again, you know, just uh, maybe a cameo or something like that, uh, just to draw some continuity, I guess. All right. So, I, I, any other um, news that we should be well, talking about? Well, since we did the last show again on the uh, the Death in Heaven, the final chart placings out now. Uh, finished 14th in the most watched television programme. Again, British TV, this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a, an official 28.8 share of the total audience. Um, and um, it was the sixth highest rated programme on BBC television. And again, on the um, on the um, net site, they've actually got a very nice graphic there of... Um, the actual audience viewing for all the different uh, episodes, and I'll put that into the room for 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 people where it it gives the the number of actual overnights. So the the largest overnight was for Deep Breath, 6.81 million, uh, and it also had the f- largest final total of audience of 10.76 million. And then there's a there's sort of a, a a slight U-shaped curve with it dipping down. So I think the lowest at um, uh, The Caretaker, 4.88 million. And remember, there were some time differences then because Strictly Come Dancing had come on here in the UK, equivalent of the American Dancing with the Stars. And uh, the uh, Doctor Who was being aired very much later. So you've got to feel that some younger audiences were, were having to watch it on the iTunes player or catch-up TV or maybe even on the BBC where it's shown on the uh, you know the following uh, day or week or whatever it is, uh, and then uh, it came back up to prominence with the with the the two-parter finale. And uh, Mike Randall Thor was telling me that uh, first time we've had a two-parter till way back till series six, I think. But uh, Dark Water and then Death in Heaven, our numbers climb up. But again. Uh, there's only the very first episode, the feature-length episode, that uh, uh, peaks over 10 million. And, of course, 
12 episodes, although if you add the running time, I think we, we'd worked out something like the fact that the, the extended first episode and the slightly extended last episode meant that um, in minutes you weren't shortchanged. Mm-hmm. You got 12, you got 13, 13 episodes worth of uh, minutes, but distributed over 12 episodes. I also I, I want to thank Kyle. Kyle had emailed me the all the figures, the overnight figures and the final figures of each episode. So um, thank I, you. Yeah. So thank you very much, for Kyle, for that. Uh, you know, I think Dave already, you know, pointed out the the tent poles in in those figures. I'm not going to you know read out all the figures, but um, also in that Kyle also included some news about the soundtrack for. Um, Day and time of the day of the doctor and time of the doctor will be available on the second of December, twenty fourteen, in the U.S. And um, he believes that it will be available. Well, this is past tense now. November uh, the twenty fourth of November in the U.K. So as we record this, it's the thirtieth. So it sh- um, it should already be available in the U.K. right now. Right, and uh, although Darth's not here with us, he did tell me earlier in the day that. Um he, uh, the, the, the box set for Series 8 should be out in a couple of weeks' time as well. not sure of the exact uh, dates, whether it will be released uh, either side of the Atlantic, but uh, it's not the, too long before the box set hits it. And, the, of course, that box set the video, uh, will be right, out. You're talking about, right? Blu-ray, Blu-ray, yeah, yeah Blu-ray. Okay. Yeah, the, the, set, the whole Series 8 as a box set. I think it's available um, in the U.S. In already. So, someone on um, on Facebook, I can't. And I apologize because I can't remember who now. Um, one of the people that follow me and I follow them back, friends, as they is the terminology used well, on Facebook, uh, posted a photo of it coming in the in the post, and um, so it, some people are getting it or have it already. Might be a pre-order. Uh, SAP manager in the text, thank you, has put 9th of December, and I'm assuming that that's referring to the box set date. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be it'll, regardless. Um, it should be available by the holidays. So um, maybe um, if you're a, a good boy or a girl, Nick Frost will come down the chimney and uh, reward you with it. <laughs> <laughs> Chimney? Oh, well done, the chimney. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, um, any other news? No, I'm surprised we've gone nearly half an hour on news, so yeah. um, I, I perhaps think, we should move along. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 All right. So if you haven't, of course, if you haven't seen Series 8 or the 2014 series of Doctor Who, um, we're going to be talking about the series as a whole. So there may be spoilers uh, going forward. So you have been fair warned. So turn your ears off and um, just watch the pretty pictures of the podcast then. (laughs) Imagine pretty pictures in your head. You know, obviously, this is the first series of a new Doctor. This uh, we had uh, the regeneration in the last story with um, um, with the eleventh Doctor. He regenerates into uh, Peter Capaldi, and 
the first episode out is uh, Deep Breath, and we're not going to we're not going to be reviewing each episode, you know, in turn, but um, but as a whole. But so uh, Deep Breath comes is an extended episode, uh, as Dave had mentioned earlier. As far as its running time, it was also had a theatrical release as well for like um, one or two days. It was in selected theaters in the U.S. and U.K., I assume. And that's why, uh, you know, a lot of viewers, you know, myself included, and I think Dave and others, you know, complained about the T-Rex being oversized and too big. And, you know, I think a lot of that was done just for the theatrics of being in on the big screen and, um, you know, and, and playing up against other big monsters on the big screen like Godzilla and whatnot. So, um Though in that story in itself, he didn't, you know, the 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 the, t- the dinosaur didn't, you know, play that long. It wasn't on screen for that long. So, but it was there well, enough, and uh, I, you know, go uh, ahead. Dave. There was a lot of, uh, a lot to do about that as well because we we also had the uh, the shambles of the uh, the leaked scripts, uh, which oh, uh, yes. overshadowed somewhat mm-hmm. at the start. We had uh, the first five stories. Uh, leaked are the scripts leaked mm-hmm. and I'm not too sure how many of the actual episodes there were a few episodes themselves. there were some episodes that were I think um, if I'm trying to remember what country they were, I, I don't know if it was Brazil or I, I could be mistaken it was but one where they were being yeah they, they'd been sent to be dubbed hadn't they uh, they were, to, they were, they were yeah. sent there and they, they weren't exactly finished and they would be they were sent there to be dubbed you know put ca- closed captions and whatnot and somehow they got leaked I avoided all that so I didn't see any of those leaked episodes and I avoided the scripts and I just wanted to see them as they were meant to be seen. Right, yeah. I, I think they did not put them in a secure part of the site. And it's one of these things that most people will know with the, with sites that uh, uh, if they're secure, the, the, you know, unless you actually, uh, you know, it's listed as a URL, you can't find it. But some people will actually go to the URL bar and actually sort of... Uh, move down the line and suddenly it'll, instead of a, a page opening, you'll get an actual folder open and you'll see, um, you know, parent folders and uh, ch- child folders and so on. And somebody must, have, somebody must have been rooting around in there without actually trying to uh, code break or anything. And, um, I mean, I, I stayed completely away from it. I mean, I'm not going to say whether people should or not. Uh, my feeling was um, that um, you know it, it would take away the the wonder and the, the excitement of a new series starting. Uh, although I must admit, this um, one of the other things that me that slightly uh, confused the start is um, you know I just mentioned before that uh, the the final story was a two-parter. I'm wondering whether the the first story was actually written as a two-parter, and we were going to have 13 episodes. Or then they realised mm-hmm. that because they were going to do a theatrical release, um, they amalgamated. So what I'm trying to say in a very poor way, Lewis, is I'm not sure whether it was one episode that was extended so it would work better in the cinema, you know, to 73 minutes. From, so it was going to be 60 minutes and they extended it to 73 to make it a more theat- uh, theatrical presentation. I was in actual fact it was two 45-minute episodes that they decided to make into a, a, a TV movie, for want of a, a better word for it. But it, to me, it, it 
could have actually been... I, did, I quite enjoyed it, but it could have been a better episode, I think. Uh, they could have taken 10 minutes out, for my mind, and it would have been maybe a stronger episode. Yeah, I mean, there's certain parts of it that felt padded, so it definitely, yeah, I, 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 you know, I agree. Uh, I mean, but overall, it, I, it was an enjoyable episode. I, I, I did take the time to start rewatching some of the series, and I, I did, I got, um, I rewatched the first half of the series, you know, to kind of keep those, to refresh myself with those episodes, you know, and. Um, I, I don't know if others have done the same, you know, as far as going back and reviewing some of their some of this past series or not. Uh, but it's interesting, you know. I, I actually I do enjoy watching them again now. Without, I, as I mentioned in the top of the show, is like when you're reviewing the episode, um, it's you know when we're doing a live show the day after it, it comes out, it's kind of you know frantic on you know at least for me for me for myself you know. <clears throat> obtaining the episode and then um, like I said if, you, if you're getting it through iTunes it's usually in the middle of the morning that it comes through and then you're watching it and then um, I, you know I try to watch it twice um, before the review so uh, then you have to squeeze it in again and you know make some mental notes and physical notes and whatever and um, it's it's nice to just kind of sit back and just enjoy it without you know worrying about you know having to uh, review it afterwards so it was right. it was nice going back and watching those episodes again. Now I'm going to continue watching the, the last. Like I said, I saw I rewatched the first half of the series. I'm going to continue watching the second half of the series again um, without the, the, the madness <laughs> attached to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Professor Cratonis, I think that's how I say his talk to your name there, agreed mm-hmm. uh, the, the feel of the first episode was over long. But, I mean, it, it, it was, again, there was an awful lot in there. I mean, I didn't like the... I mean, the, the, it, obviously, uh, we, we know Stephen Moffat, because we know that he wrote the first two episodes and the last two, and his finger marks are all over the rest of them. His grubby little hands, some people would say, are all over the other scripts. Well, he, uh, he, he admits it himself, that, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, uh, but I mean, um, you know, it, it, obviously the the dinosaur there was for a, a big, powerful uh, opening. We've got to put this in the context of the the big Godzilla movie had just come out, which I think is why they supersized this dinosaur. A dinosaur, a, a, an ordinary dinosaur, wasn't big enough uh, for the kids. It had to be a Gigantosaurus type one. Uh, maybe you could argue that's the only way they could have got the TARDIS into its mouth. I didn't like the fact that, um, you know, we had um, Madame Vastra saying that, um, oh, that's how they they used to be big, trying to explain it away. Uh, This episode is also notable for quite a few other things. Um, We first get the sense that the the Doctor is uh, testing Clara because there's a point where he, he leaves her alone in his clockwork room and he moves through the door and she has to survive. Remember, she ends up trusting him and then putting her hand behind him to say, we have a, a very actual um, questionable point from uh, my co-host Ian the Sixth Doctor uh, about some of the violence on this because um, uh, we have this mechanised uh, park uh, cyborg isn't it uh, and he ends up being impaled on this spike he thought that was rather too graphic for his young son to watch uh, there's also another nice twist we started off the series with the typical um, Involvement of the Blue Peter, the UK children's series, Lewis, because um, three of the devices used by the uh, the Pasternoster gang, is it they're called, 
Um, they they had devices. The um, uh, Madame Vastra had the hat pin, uh, and uh, then there was the medical scanner that Strax had, and then Jenny had uh, uh, something on her wrist, didn't they? And those had all been designed by children in three different age groups um, and brought and realised very well and brought into the story not too forcibly, I thought. I thought they worked very well indeed. Uh, we also had contention as well, if I'm right, unless I'm getting the stories mixed up. Is this a story where we have the doctor pulling people's hair uh, when they go to the um, they go to a restaurant? Uh, am I moving on to the next story too quickly? No, I don't. Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't remember uh, the hair pulling uh, at all. <laughs> they go. They go to the restaurant and they wonder what why everybody in the room but them is not eating. Oh, 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 oh okay, have, yeah, yeah. That's that's this yeah. that's this one, yeah. Yeah, and um, we have a very okay. Now I remember the hair. Too. Okay, now I, I remember. Right, yeah, okay. and some people that have. Uh, what's called alopecia or something like that, we're, we're a little bit upset about that, which I, I can't really understand because he wasn't pulling clumps of hair out, he was pulling out single hairs. We had this very frightening thing that sort of reminded you of The Empty Child and that episode, um, the one where we had the um, the one with the, the, the dummies, um, you know, the uh, ventriloquist dummies uh, uh -huh. from couple of series back yeah. where they, they surrounded people. So it was quite a frightening episode. And then, of course, we had the uh, uh, w, uh, w, what was it? WTF moment, or whatever I can say politely on this show, <laughs> uh, with, um, with the, uh, the cyborg at the end uh, suddenly waking up in a garden. And we have the introduction of this Missy character. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right, all that in one story. So, gosh, there was an awful lot of trope set uh, in the scene in that first one. But I do feel as though even with that, it was a little bit plodding, a little bit long. And uh, uh, although in actual fact, uh, some people think it was the, uh, I know, of, thought it was the best episode of the lot, maybe that, that was because of the scale of it. I think it was a slightly unbalanced episode. As again, when we get to the end, I, I feel as though the two-part at the end was a little bit unbalanced. But um, again, you didn't want to go episode by episode, but um, we can move on to the next one if you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think the deep breath is significant on because it it you know leads the leads the pack, you know, so to say. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I mean, it's it's an enjoyable episode, um, but I wouldn't say it would be the best. I think that my, my weakness, if you recall, for it was. Uh, is is with the adversary just it it just didn't seem compelling enough or um it, it, the danger didn't seem that compelling you know in that story but i mean it's still a good story it's still enjoyable um but i think the larger question though that we'll be talking about in this series is um you know many people have classified or termed this series as, as dark and so is it was it really dark is this i mean have we seen stuff like this before in Doctor Who? I mean, it, 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 um, Stephen Moffat has said that they never said that the series was going to be dark. Um, I don't think there's any reason. I mean, it, to me, it doesn't have to be dark. It can be dark, but as long as it serves a purpose, you know, uh, serves a story. And I think, um, as always, what needs to come to the top of the uh, what needs to rise to the top is the story itself and the characters is really what makes Doctor Who and 
Um, and I think that, you know, you shouldn't sacrifice those two elements just for the sake of making something scary or horrible or, or intense, if that's the well, case. Well, that's probably why they had the, the Paternoster gang in this one, to sort of provide some light relief, as it were, uh, if that's what can be said. I mean, we also have this first where where Strax examines Clara, where we sort of, you know, people are sort of, you know what, people mm -hmm. pour over every little thing that, uh, is this a clue that Clara's, you know, got a different, you know, something wrong with her body or something, you know, she's not put together right or this, that and the other. But the, the whole point is that, you know, is the Doctor a good man, which is the theme that's going to, to stay with us for uh, a long, perhaps protracted period of this series. I mean, it, it definitely is the, the thing that, uh, that uh, you know, definitely transforms the whole series. Because normally we, we're, we're used to the Doctor. If we don't know what's going on, we trust the Doctor either knows what's going on, I can figure it pretty quickly, but um, he's he's a little bit, um, you know, off his game, shall we say. Now, you could argue that that's because we're talking about a doctor who we now believe has got a whole new set of regenerations. He's not, uh, you know, if you ever watch Quantum Leap, it's not just he's leaped into a new body, as it were, and Swiss cheese his brain. But, you know, we're on a whole new cycle of regenerations, maybe an unending uh, cycle of regenerations. Yeah. Um, so, I, but, I, um, I think we've set the scene fairly well. Um, directed by Ben uh, Weasley, wasn't it, this one? And it first aired, by the way, can't believe this, Lewis, it aired on the 23rd of August, that first episode, Deep Breath. Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that it started, you know, in the summer, you know, and it's... I don't know. It went by so quickly. I remember as we were reviewing it, you know, when we got up to a, I think it was the caretaker was episode six. We were, we were amazed that we were already at the halfway point, and um, right, and how quickly. It's not too too early actually. I mean, traditionally here in the UK, way back, it would start when the children went back to school in in the autumn or the fall, as you would call it. Mm -hmm. Now, normally, uh, school in the UK starts the first sort of Monday in September, so they can start. Sometimes it'll be the thirty first of August, but more usually it'd be the you know, second, first, second or third of September. Uh, so one of the great things uh, for for young people is the fact that, you know, they're back to school, but at least all the good stuff's back on TV, all the series. Uh, so it's a little bit early, uh, the 23rd of August, and then we were all trying to guess when it would start. But, um, yeah, it, it was pretty powerful opening, and it was very cinematic, and... Um, um, and of course, uh, we had the the new credits. Now, um, these there was quite a story behind that. I know, I know mm -hmm. we're probably not going to spend this much time on each episode, but we're sort of setting the scene here, aren't we, for the the series as a whole? But um, it was apparently um, a fan yeah. that had um, had I, done. He, um, they did something uh, similar, and this was Billy um, Hansaw. Sure, Billy mm -hmm. Hansaw. Uh, and he put a YouTube thing, his mm -hmm. his take on how it should have emphasised sound more than, sorry, time more than space. And uh, in, in some way, Stephen Moffat had uh, had his attention drawn to it. And it, it seemed as though he was brought on board. I mean, they polished it up a little bit. They changed a few things around. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was but redone. Essentially, but... but essentially, it was the same thing. Yeah. It's That's interesting because I, I remember... 
I remember when that was making the rounds, you know, on, on social media when it went out on YouTube, and um, and I was saying this is great, but they'll never do it. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll never do something like this in, in the actual series. So I, I have to uh, eat my words there. So I'm I'm glad they did. I think it it's, it works very well. Right. So and um, so yeah, we had. It's a good point that you made that as far as the new opening goes, and um, I know Kyle has been. Um, Chiming in while during our live shows, I'm, I think it was Kyle talking about the uh, the theme music and um, and I, I think a lot of what we see here uh, in this new series is um, a nod to um, of Doctor Who of of the past. You know, I, I think uh, the twelfth Doctor himself is a even though he's his own Doctor. Uh, I think, um, you know, we were all seeing it initially here, Deep Breath, and the first few episodes, echoes of other Doctors in his portrayal. And, you know... Oh, indeed. So, and and him being a fan of the series growing up, you know, I think that that plays an impact as well. So, I think he has absorbed, you know, a lot of um, the earlier Doctors in his portrayal, and he makes it his own. Yeah, I, I think he, he, you're absolutely right there. Not only has he you know, got elements of the third Doctor and so on, he also knows the series well enough to know that they're all one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, it's not Doctor Six, Doctor Seven, Doctor Eight. It, it, it's the Doctor, and um, I think you've got to think of it a little bit like uh, symmetry. You know, uh, they're doing um, in science where they say that actually there's not, you know four dimensions is 12 dimensions and six of the, you know eight of the dimensions are folded in on themselves but each time you get a regeneration it's as though a different dimension comes unfolded and another one folds back and you get this sort of different view of this personality different traits come to the fore but we definitely have a doctor who is less well formed um some people have equated it to the fourth doctor with his maniac you know running on the spot in his uh, in his pajamas, we get a little bit of um, the flair of the third doctor. We get an awful lot of the arm waving of the the first doctor. I mean, um, the the, the demeanour of the sixth doctor. I mean, take it, it, it basically toss a coin. You, it's all there if you can read it out. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think uh, very good. And one of the things I was unsure about was. Um, because usually, uh, I mean, if we go back to Peter Davidson, um, you know, the first episode they actually screened was about his fourth show in, wasn't it? And um, uh, like, I even with companions, uh, Donna Noble, the first one I think she she took part in was the Unicorn and the Wasp, but it wasn't the first one they showed. But um, actually, Deep uh, Breath was in the first block of filming, so um, you know he. he, he you know, we saw the Doctor unfold, which probably made more sense in this particular case, because normally you want the Doctor to be brilliant straight off, so the best way of making the actor comfortable is for him to film two or three episodes, but you show the, you don't show the one he filmed first first, you show him in, in a more fully formed yeah. uh, format, so people say, oh yes, I reckon that's the Doctor. Where with this one, maybe it was a conscious decision that they wanted this. Uh, they wanted you to find the doctor as the doctor was finding himself. Mm-hmm. And and to that end, and, so, and, and Kyle had put in chat to remind us that you know the, the, there was a 
scene there with the phone and um, at the end of Deep Breath with a cameo by, which I'm assuming they shot while Matt Smith was still the doctor. Yes, excellent. You know, Thank you. And, um, you know, so where... So, again, this is, and again, I don't mean to retrash our old reviews, but, you know, when we reviewed Deep Breath, I said, you know, the problem I had with Clara was that she seemed um, uncharacteristically surprised or or not used to the regeneration where, if anyone, she should be, um, you know, more so familiar with what goes on with, with regeneration than anyone else in her in that episode because she's seen it before she's with she was with other doctors and um you know even just in the 50th anniversary special but there, right. there's a scene well, there but it was obviously done for the audience it was very clear that yes. she was the the um you know the focus point for the audience to um to use to introduce this new doctor and since Peter Capaldi is very different than the previous three actors that had played the series played the doctor since the series came back to television um they, they made that a point you know and where um they had this recorded phone conversation with um I thought it was a nice touch you know with with um Matt Smith and um you know cuz they, they hadn't done that before and uh, um so it, it was something that was um you know, yeah. for for all the fans, uh, it was unnecessary. But for for younger audiences, maybe it drew. It, it was sort of like, well, this is the new Doctor, and you know, Matt Smith is handing over the baton to him. Right, uh, as Professor Curtis, uh, sorry if I'm getting that wrong. Yeah, as uh, what I was thinking that we're, we're not sure how much uh, this Clara knows because she's not really the Impossible Girl anymore. But yeah. Um, uh, they, he points out about, but it was without explanation. They could have, they could have, you know, like uh, like we got in the day of the doctor, the, the you know the war doctor says I won't remember any of this, uh, and we're pretty sure that Peter Capaldi doesn't remember much. Uh, sorry, the the twelfth doctor doesn't remember much about it. Um, we don't really know how much Clara remembers of it. Uh, but there were some people had a divided opinion on the the Matt Smith. Uh, cameo. One was the fact that, you know, was that going to interrupt you actually m moving your allegiance from from Matt to Peter? Or was it just a lovely surprise little uh, thing? So, I mean, I think you can take it either way depending on how, how you felt. But um, uh, we've done 50 minutes. Yeah, well, no, yeah. we have done we'll, we'll move 30 ahead. 30 minutes and one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move ahead. So, um, yeah. But but just generally speaking, um, going back to this, you know, whether or not this was I, I, dark or not, I, I mean, I, I think there was some darkness overtones. I don't know if it was deliberate or not. Or, um, But, uh, I, again, I, I don't think it was too dark. I don't think it was any... I, don't, I mean... You know, I, I I don't know. I I don't personally. I didn't think it was was. You know, I think they found a balance there and um, they went with it. You know, right. I mean, overall, my I I said while we were reviewing it that many of the episodes, this whole series was pretty much. And I don't mean this as a negative thing, but it was sort of a middle of the road type of thing where it wasn't. Sometimes you're watching a series and it's sort of a roller coaster. You got your highs and lows and highs and lows. And I think this series had a certain consistency to it. So, um, and, you know, 
it, it didn't drop below a certain level uh, of um, you know, and it didn't, it didn't really go above a certain level in my in, in my feeling. But I, I think overall it was enjoyable and it maintained that. And um, you know, I, I, you know, I can't really point to any one episode and said, oh, well, that was. That was a complete failure, and uh, it's horrible. I never want to watch it again, or anything like that. You know, um, you know. The, and then at the same token, there was nothing that was, you know, completely overwhelming and exciting. And that, oh well, you know, this is the one that you're gonna have to introduce new new viewers to all the time. You know, but I, I think this was a um, a steadfast uh, road for Peter Capaldi to establish himself. As the doctor, and usually you get that doctor speech, you know, in the beginning, you know, uh, be in deep breath. You know, it wasn't in deep breath. You know, where um, it wasn't until Flatline, where episode nine, where he proclaims himself as the doctor, and um, you know, and, and he, he was the those uh, flat. I'm trying to remember what their name was. The, what he called them, he he said, you know, he named them whatever, and said that you know Earth is protected. So, but we had gotten that speech before on the Christmas invasion and um, and the eleventh hour, you know, where those were the two introduction stories for the tenth and eleventh Doctor, respectively. So here they 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 held off until episode nine to do that speech, which I think is a a bit unnecessary, but I guess now it's a tradition where you know that's when when the doctor comes into being. Right, I'm trying to remember what he named them. Yeah, um, we'll have to look that up in a minute. But um, the boneless, thank you, right? Boneless, brain. thank the you. Boneless. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're the rice pudding brains. He's the smart one. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> This is Katie Manning, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock, or as I read it, Pooshock. <laughs> we'll be right back with our series review, the 2014 series review of Doctor Who. Um, you may have noticed that um, so far there hasn't been any clips from the 2014 series of Doctor Who. That's because during the live show, we uh, well, I ran into some technical problems with. Um, with uh, the audio going into the live feed, um, it was playing fine on my end, but uh, the live uh, audience wasn't hearing it. So um, hopefully we'll get those uh, that situation worked out. Uh, I think it has to do with some software upgrades that were performed between our last show and this show. So uh, hopefully uh, there, there are backup solutions to that. So one way or the other, we'll get that sorted out. So I do want to take time out to remind our listeners about Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres, including, of course, science fiction. But they also have thrillers, romance, comedy, uh, business. You know, they, they have all different genres and titles to choose from and so much more. Now, these Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, uh, over 500 devices for listening anytime and any and anywhere, just like this podcast. And for you, speaking of this podcast, for you listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free, yes, a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. And if you decide it's not for you, so you don't, it's not something that you want to continue, 
You can cancel within that time and keep your free audiobook. It's yours to keep. How do you get your free audiobook? Simple. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial, one word, dot com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And if you didn't get that URL, have no fear. You can go to podshock.net and you'll find links to the offer there as well. And as always, we like to uh, maybe make a recommendation or a referral to uh, a possible story that uh, something that you may enjoy listening to. Uh, One of which is uh, somehow ties into uh, what we're talking about. And this is uh, maybe a little um, (laughs) off on the uh, outer rims of tying things into uh, because in uh, Robot of Sherwood, there's a reference that the doctor makes to, was it the miniscope, which is uh, from a story from the third doctor, Carnival of Monsters. So uh, it's a Terrence Dix novelization that Katie, Man- Katie Manning, who plays Joe Grant in that story, uh, reads and, you know, and, and does all the characters and such. So, uh, so it's, yeah, it's Katie Manning, uh, who plays Joe Grant, uh, reads this third Doctor adventure. And, um, well, I, I guess we'll, let's hear a little bit from it right now. This is a fairly new title, a fairly new release uh, to Audible. Uh, this is uh, Doctor Who and the Carnival of Monsters. And this is Katie Manning reading it, reading it. It's Taryn Sticks is the, is the writer of the novelization. Chickens are chickens. <laughs> Solemnly, the doctor bowed before the cage. Greetings. We come as friends. Doctor, what are you doing? When you've traveled as much as I have, Joe, you'll learn not to jump to conclusions. These look like chickens, but they could be the dominant life forms on this planet. The doctor leaned over the pen. Greetings, he said again. There was no reply. Try clucking, suggested Joe. Before he could reply, she went on. Doctor, those things not only look like chickens, they are chickens. And what about this? She pointed to the side of a nearby crate. The doctor looked. Despite the gloom, it was possible to make out the stenciled capital letters. They read, Singapore. The Actian Galaxy, you said? Taken aback, but not yet defeated, the doctor looked round. Nearby, a ladder led up into the darkness above them. Come on, Joe, he said, and started to climb. Shaking her head at his obstinacy, Joe followed, pausing only to say a quick goodbye at the chickens. They clucked back at her. At the top of the ladder was a hatch. The doctor lifted it. Behind him on the ladder, Joe peered through the gap. She saw decking, a rail, more cargo hatches, and an Indian seaman in shabby overalls walking past. Metabilis be blowed! She whispered. This is just an ordinary cargo ship, Doctor. You've landed us back on Earth. As the terrifying adventure which followed was to prove, Joe had never been more wrong in her life. Meanwhile, more arrivals were taking place. 
The spaceport of Capital City on the planet called Interminer was baking in the heat of the planet's twin suns. It was a busy, colorful scene as the massive cargo rockets loaded and unloaded in their separate bays. Ground cars and cargo trains scurried to and fro like ants at the feet of the towering metal mountains of the great space rockets. Cursing and sweating, the functionaries worked steadily away, loading and unloading the cargo. Capital City was in the middle of a boom. By decree of President Zab, the planet's new ruler, Interminer had emerged from its long, self-imposed seclusion and was busily trading with the other planets in its galaxy. Many years ago, the planet had been ravaged by space plague brought in by a traveller from some foreign planet. In a hysterical overreaction, the Interminorans had cut themselves off completely from all other planets, forbidding both travel and commerce. After years of bitter political struggle, the new Progressive Party, led by President Zab, had come to power, and Interminer had opened up its frontiers. President Zab hoped by this measure to relieve some of the pressures on Minoran society. His other plans included a gradual improvement in the lot of the functionaries. This meant persuading the official caste to give up some of their many privileges, an undertaking which was provoking bitter resistance. The strangest thing of all about this strange world of Interminer was the fact that its people had been divided for so long into two different social classes that they had gradually evolved into two different species. The largest class was that of the functionaries. They were short and stocky, with coarse, lumpy, unfinished features. They looked as if they'd been slapped together out of rough clay by a rather poor sculptor. They wore rough, serviceable clothing in heavy-duty plastic. Their purpose, their function, was to work. Work, food and sleep. That was a functionary's life. For generations, they had accepted this fate uncomplainingly. But now, things were beginning to change. Then there was the ruling caste, the officials. They were mostly tall and thin, grey-faced and grey-robed, grey-minded too, for the main part. The officials' code insisted on rigid formality with all display of emotion totally suppressed. Once again, that was Katie Manning, and that was the Carnival of Monsters, Doctor Who and the Carnival of Monsters, a third Doctor adventure. Um, Katie Manning played... Joe Grant, the companion to uh, the then Doctor John Pertwee, and um, there, there was a lot of comparisons between John Pertwee's uh, Doctor and uh, Peter Capaldi's uh, Doctor as well. You know, there, there's some similarities as far as uh, the costume goes, and some of the mannerisms, and um, some of the stories in um, in this first series uh, sometimes echo back to uh, to the Third Doctor in some respects. So. Um, so anyway, you, once again, you can. This could be your Audible free book, your free audiobook from Audible, if you like, or you could choose whatever you, you like that they have to offer for um, you know for a free download. To get this as your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com/pachak. Again, that's audibletrial.com 
slash Podshock for your free audiobook. So now let's uh, get back to uh, Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman in their uh, 12th, well, it's, it was Peter Capaldi's 12th Doctor incarnation. Um, this is a uh, review of the 2014 series of Doctor Who, sometimes referred to as Series 8. And let's get back to what we were discussing in Doctor Who Podshock. Yeah, so uh, then one of the tropes that that comes in through the series quite a bit that you picked up on, Lewis, fairly quickly, uh, comes into effect on Into the Dalek with this um, this sort of out of sequence yeah, opener, the non-linear uh, editing, which seems to be prevalent. Word, yeah. Prevalent through the whole series, which I thought maybe it might there might be a reason for it, but I, I guess it was just a um, you know a, a way of, of storytelling that they chose to be consistent with in this series. It, it started with Into the Dalek, and then it sort of um, continued on in each episode. And you know, also it you know speaking of um, storytelling, you know, it was in Deep Breath that we f- first got introduced to Missy, who we didn't know who she was at first. And, um, you know, and then she was sprinkled about across the whole entire series. And, you know, and I was complaining that we didn't really need that. You still could have, you know, and I, even to this day, I don't, I mean, it, it made fans question and wonder who she was. And then maybe, maybe that by the time we got to Dark Water, that was building up to a certain amount of um, anticipation of, of finally finding out who she is. So maybe it did do justice by having her sprinkled about. But at least there were a good handful of episodes where she didn't appear. And um, and, and I think that worked well, you know, even even despite my, my claim saying that it wasn't necessary. But I still think we could do a whole series without a story arc and still have a compelling finale, you know, even without having it, you know, foreshadowed throughout the whole entire series. Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, we, we we again get this sense that um, this doctor is more uh, concerned about the you know solving the problem and and that uh, you know this idea of uh, collateral damage and so on comes into it. I mean, it was very novel to coincide the Dalek with uh, uh, you know people were speculating that uh, you know I mean what's the last time the doctor was shrunk down was. Um, the Carnival of the Monsters. Do we have to go all the way back to to that? The Third Doctor. Um, well, he uh, there, there was mean, a he, um, he was cloned and he was put into his own body. And um, um, the the story that introduced Canine. I can't think of the story now. Oh yes, yes. The uh, yeah, the Fourth Doctor. Sorry, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, anyway, going back to this one, we have this. Um, uh, some really good lines in it. I thought, thought it was excellent, but we we, we realised that uh, Clara has a realisation that we're dealing with a, a, a completely different person in some ways, but her trust is still there. Uh, and um, we have again this uh, sacrifice by uh, the, the the female soldier. You know, make you know make my my death count and so on. Um, and I thought it was a, a pretty good adventure that, and a very very important line. Um, towards the end of it, where one of the Daleks turns to the Doctor and said, "You would make a good Dalek," or some words yeah. to that effect, which comes back again. I think is recapped uh, uh, later. Well, because it it was in this episode into Dalek that um, 
he first asked Clara, am I a good man? And then this was a reoccurring um, theme throughout the series, you know, not it, not as heavy handed as it, and I'm glad it wasn't, but it, it did come up um, again, you know, in Time Heist, it came up again, you know, whether or not um, one of the characters, you know, is, makes a mention about, you know, meeting a good man and um, at, when she was about to, she thought she was about to die and, um, you know, and then, you know, it, it, it finishes off with um, the doctor saying that, you know, if he's a, he's not a good man or a bad man, but he was, uh, again, I'm just paraphrasing and going by memory here, saying that, you know, he's just a, an idiot with a box or uh, something like that. So, um, but that was yeah. like the question of this, of this series was um, whether or not he was a good person. Right. Uh, the fourth Doctor and Leela story, by the way, where they would miniaturize the invisible enemy. Yes, that's Again, the one. Professor Crowe's that. Thank yeah. you. I got the rice pudding brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think it was um, it was quite a, a slick story into the, da- uh, into the Dalek, and um, I thought it worked really right. Then we had this slight uh, thing about, of course, we um, this idea that this... Um, this soldier was called blue, didn't uh, the soldiers were called blue and and that prompted all the way through so for people like me was there a, definite, a reason why they were called blue when Danny was called pink yeah i don't know if they were playing yeah. up on stereotypes since you know there's you know the stereotype that blue is for boys and pink is for girls and and here you had a strong female character named blue and Danny's a strong male character named Pink, so I don't know if it was just having fun with that or not. I don't know. Uh, I'll tease you that there was more to, to Danny, uh, and of course there is more to Danny that we find out later, but uh, but it was very Earth-based what was... But I, I felt as though that was leading to, you know, uh, something, uh, something more uh, outlandish uh, in his past, you know, uh, uh, go back to furlough, that sort of, you know, where, where obviously Danny's a teacher, not a student, but if you remember, like, furlough mm-hmm. is a, a schoolboy uh, uh, and masquerading as a, a human boy, if you want, uh, when when he, he takes part in the adventures with the Doctor. So I'm thinking that that's what Danny Pink is, somebody who's, you know, actually an off-world character are at least from a future from the future in some sense but um if if you're ready to move on i mean i know we're not doing every episode yeah no, at, no we're not but there's a complete change of pace with and it rather threw me with the the next episode um robot of sherwood which, you know, I don't know if it's, I mean, I didn't think watching it the first time it had suffered, but maybe it did suffer a bit from, because they had to do some post-production editing on that because of what was going on with current events in the news with, um, unfortunately, with terrorism and ISIS and beheadings. And yeah. th- there was a scene there that had to be edited out, which um, I didn't know the content of that scene until we did the review, and, and you kind of explained it to me, Dave, at the time, that um, it it revealed more about the character of the sheriff of Nottingham than it, it does without that scene included. So I, I don't know. But I know um, you and, and others have had said that maybe this might have been the low point of the 
of of the series. I, I didn't find it that way. I, to me, the uh, what did wear on my nerves was the, was the constant bickering between um, Robin, the character Robin Hood, and the Doctor throughout it all. Um, I understand the reason for it, but it, uh, watching it the first time, it started you know um, wearing right. me out a bit. But I think, um, I, I think Tom Riley, who plays Robin Hood, I think really saved the episode for me. I think he did an excellent job and uh, an outstanding job um, playing the character. And um, to me, that's it's it's saving grace. You know, I can only pick maybe a handful of other actors that might have done you know a better job or 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 as good as job that he did. So I, I think that's it's 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 when I rewatch that again, to me, it's all about um, enjoying his performance. As um, as Robin Hood. Yeah, now, I think the other thing was that um, because this was a script by Mark Gatiss, some people were perhaps expecting more from it. I don't know, uh, but um, uh, that that was one reason. Um, didn't we have a new director for this one? Is it Paul Murphy's first episode? I don't know, uh, but um, the, I think the, the division with some people is that uh, some people will say, well, the Doctor didn't believe, doesn't believe that Robin Hood is a real character, mm -hmm. therefore he thinks there's something going on, yes. uh, this is not a real scenario, uh, so therefore that's why he's flippant and silly. Um, there, there was a lot of things I didn't like about it, I mean, uh, you don't make an arrow out of blooming gold and then fire it at the spaceship, I mean, just, it go about ten feet in the air and drop like a stone, I mean, yeah, that's true. Uh, there were other things. Uh, the editing, of course, made no sense of the title, because there were all these robots, but it was called Robot of Sherlock, so everybody, uh, I mean, you looked at Robin Hood and you, there was a scene where he fires the his arrow without even looking, so you think, oh, perhaps... Uh, Robin's the uh, robot. Well, that's what the doctor uh, was saying. The, at, at the end, at the climax, when he's with with uh, the sheriff, he's, he proclaims um, Robin to be Robin Hood to be a robot, and he go, and the and the sheriff goes, "No, he's not a robot. Why would I have him? You know, as as a nemesis to my plans? It doesn't make any sense." And you know, so yeah. I I don't know if, if the robot was supposed to be implied that Robin Hood is the robot or. Because well, the, that, that the cut sheriff, scene. when it was written, when yeah. it was written, the sheriff was obviously the robot, but that didn't make any sense. Uh, Professor Granotis says, uh, "Don't understand the hating of this episode." I loved it. I don't think it was ha hating. I put it to exactly the same dilemma that I had with the rings of Acatane, uh, which I thought was great at the beginning. I loved the fact that you know, oh yes, I brought my granddaughter here, um, but then the way the, the well, there wasn't science, but the way it went, you know, with a with a, a, a pumpkin son and things like that, uh, and some of the slightly fanciful ideas put me off. So I, I, I've got a feeling those that perhaps, Professor, you'd like to put in the text if you like the Rings of Akatan, because I, my theory would be that the people who like Rings of no, Akatan... No, 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 no. I, like hate, I hate the Rings of Akatan, and except I enjoyed the first 15 minutes of Rings of Akatan, and then after that I hated it, but I, I enjoyed um, Robot of Sherwood. <laughs> it's... Um, you know, I wouldn't say Robert, Robert Ashur is my favorite of the series, but it's definitely not the worst. I thought it was, an, you know, uh, like I said, my only complaint watching it the first time was maybe, you know, the, um, the constant bickering getting on my nerves. But then once I realized, you know, why that was happening and it was more understandable and watching it again for the third time, it didn't really wear, it didn't, you know, it didn't go on my nerves. And I, you know, overall, I, I, I have no problems with it and I enjoyed it. 
Okay, and the professor says the same as well. No, green belt rings. I'm with this, um, but to me, it was the 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 one episode. It's one of those where sometimes you can sometimes you can ignore things that don't seem consistent. Other times, the inconsistencies, you know, overweigh you know, uh, the enjoyment of it. But um, uh, Sat Manager here puts, uh, it was the worst episode of a great series. Uh, I would give the series four TARDIS groans as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you put your comments in, I, I realise we're, we're, we're going the long way around the marshes here, but still. Um, and uh, the other thing I didn't like about it was the, um, now some people again said that um, uh Peter Capaldi pulled off the spoon where he's fencing with the spoon. I didn't like that at all, but again, some people felt as though that that worked for this particular doctor. I, did, I mean, I, I think there was some uh, good acting on it. The 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 guy that played Sheriff of Nottingham. I'm trying to remember oh, his name at the moment. The, yeah, he. What's kind of he Ben Miller played him ben Miller. but watching it that, that first time i said to myself you know he would make a great master if too bad you know he he was cast as this <laughs> character because i thought he the, the cunning of him and um, just the way he portrayed the sheriff i thought it would have been great as the master little did i know you know that we would be getting um the master returning in in the in, in a different form <laughs> Right, right. Uh, I mean, I like it. I mean, he's really good in a series called Primeval that uh, he played a good part in that. And he's in lots of other stuff as well. But, um, yeah, um, I, I think that was one of the more divisive episodes. I'm not saying that there wasn't a lot to like on it. Uh, I think some people were disappointed with the Mark Gatiss script, but there you go. Um, maybe, again, if we, we can move ourselves along a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um uh, well, this this we're still in the, in the beginnings of the of the series, but I, I, you know, I, I think that you know the, the next one after that was Listen, which I think um, was a strong episode um, in many respects. But you know, I, I enjoyed the fact that it didn't have an adver- that fear was the adversary, that was fear was the monster that it was dealing with. But it kind of puts up a false pretense that there were these creatures that couldn't be seen. And, uh, you know, and but I'm glad that it turned out the way it did. I know some had maybe issues with um, the final scene where we see a young doctor and and maybe, you know, I don't know, people had problems with that, perhaps. But uh, I overall, I think they they handled it very well. And, um, you know, it does open up some questions now, uh, you know, after seeing the series and about um, Danny. Danny Pink's lineage because uh was it um Oz- Orson Pink. Awesome Orson, Orson um Pink is his uh uh descendant yeah descendant and uh, which means it has to imply that maybe Clara is with child now you know unless somehow um you know Danny returns in in some fashion well that's possibly true that um that uh, she, unbeknownst to her, and he, uh, she was pregnant at, before that last story unfolded. That is certainly yeah. a possibility. Well, she was proclaiming his her love for him and all that. So maybe you know, off screen there they were building up the relationship more than what we saw on screen because uh, it seemed a little you know uh, premature if it was just on screen uh, for her to be so. You know, um, you know, in love. I guess at that point, I don't know. 
Right. No, I, th- I think it was. Um, uh, I think it was my favourite episode of the series. This one um, uh, again. It was an awful lot calling on uh, things, but I, I just liked um, the overall feel of the story. In effect, it, it, talk about souffle girl. It was a bit of a souffle story. In the end, you basically had nothing. I mean, it was a story about nothing. But I mean, there were lots of things I liked about it. I mean, even the fact of the, you know, um, the doctor is it under the bed, and I'm thinking, oh, he's looking for his keys, uh, Charlie's keys. Are uh, there was. I, I just liked it, and of course I thought the acting of the principals was ch- particularly strong in this one as well. And um, it, it, I remember one of the things that we talked about was the fact that um, actually the, the the bit at the beginning where the doctor's sort of got the the blackboards and he's he's, he's postulating his theory or whatever you want to call it, um, actually goes harkens back to the fourth doctor. So well, you know, why does the doctor need a companion? I mean, you know, I don't need a companion. Uh, because, of course, if the doctor's got a piece of chalk in his hand and talking out loud, that's doing the exposition that that y- you would normally have a second person to sound off against. So, uh, and, and it is nice, by the way, that the TARDIS is not just used as a console room. You know, uh, we, we see in this and as the, the series progresses, you know, he has, like, um, you know, workbenches and things start to appear We've already had this, um, you know, the bookcases, the more, you know, the uh, the older man's um, that turn it into a, a study. So rather than we had the very stark portrayal of this sort of metalised, almost submarine uh, TARDIS interior with the with the cold blue lights, you know, we're getting, you know, armchairs and we're getting, uh, you know, all these books along the outer walls and give that gives her an actual reason mm-hmm. for, for that part of the TARDIS to be used a little bit more. So uh, the, slowly behind the scenes these things are happening as the story unfolds. But again, we're only uh, four stories in but we're, we're still only in early September the 13th of except. Yeah, we, we don't need to go episode yeah. by episode. We could, I mean, um, you know, in, in our review of the series, but it's um, I mean, it's just uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, certainly we wouldn't if there was uh, if there was six or eight people trying to talk on audio. But I mean, uh, perhaps we can. Yeah, if you want, just, uh, I know there's briefly. there's a listener. Uh, we have at least one uh, Jim who's. Uh, if you want to, if I don't know if you're calling on a regular phone. If you want to, if you do want to call in the queue, do a star eight. Um, you know, we'll, we'll bring you on board. Uh, Sat manager who's in chat that you know our live chat that goes on at the same time as the live episodes that that the episodes listen and and um, mummy on the Orient Express were um, I, I don't know if uh, it's, top two it was the top two I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's he or she Sat manager um, were his or her top two episodes Robot of Sherwood and Forest of the Night were on the bottom. Yeah, I, I mean, jumping head to far as the night. I, if if that was the, to me, that was the the weakest episode of of the series for me personally. Um, not that I hated it, but it just it, it didn't really. That that was the, the, if there was to be a low, that was it. Um, only because it just didn't hold my attention as the other ones had while watching it. Well, well, well just before we go to that, very quickly, and I won't discuss them individually, but. The, both the caretaker and kill the moon had had quite strong uh, feelings about them. Some people felt as though 
you know, the caretaker was good because we, we, we had a doctor back at it's school and so on that. Uh, on the other hand, other people felt as though King Kill the Moon, although it, it, it was very strong in some ways because, um, you know, the, the doctor refused to make the decision for Clara. Uh, he said, no, you must make the decision. This is a decision for humans. And he showed more of his alien side. Um, we also had this sort of slightly bizarre idea that the moon had been an egg. Uh, for, for hundreds of thousands, yeah, hundred thousand years, and presumably when, when this dragony space dragon or whatever it was left, it also laid an egg as big as itself, so that there was a moon there, and this was happening every, you know, hundred thousand years, and perhaps that's what triggers ice ages or whatever. Um, and yet there were some lovely scenes in it, but I think the caretaker and kill the moon were were perhaps maybe. Some people had issues with more than others. Yeah. I, I thought they were middle-of-the-road episodes well, with some highlights in them and some you know, good scenes. I, I think with Kill the Moon, the old, the, what, I mean, it was really about the question that was being you know addressed there. A lot of the science was out the window, and um, you know, I, I you know it was, it, <clears throat> you know, it was science fiction, but a lot of science fantasy. And, you know, the whole notion about the moon being an egg. And then, you know, um, I, I have to subscribe to what Rice Pudding Brain had said during a review of that, that, you know, that when it was re- when the moon was replaced, it had to be from a mature creature that traveled back in time and put the egg just sort of like the salmon going back to the river where it was hatched. You know, I think it was sort of that because there's no way that that that, that uh, you know, the, the babeling, the fledgling could have laid a moon an egg the same size you know <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just not possible so um so yeah I, I think you know kill the moon it, it was because of the ultimate questions that had to be asked and obviously there were parallels being drawn there with um just having the female characters ultimately ants um I'm, I'm, I'm kind of annoyed that my sound thing isn't working because I had a clip that I wanted to um, that would emphasize that that um, you know where the doctor leaves them to to uh, to answer that question whether or not to save the moon to, to destroy the moon or, or save the creature or, or, or let them ponder that and um, well I can play something in now which you can overwrite sure if you like I'm sorry Clara I can't, I can't help you well, of course you can help. The Earth is my home, the moon's not my moon. Sorry. Come on. Hey. Listen, there are moments in every civilization's history in which the whole path of that civilization is decided. The whole future path, whatever future humanity might have, depends upon the choice that is made right here and right now. Now, you've got the tools to kill it. You make them. You brought them up here all on your own with your own ingenuity. You don't need a time lord. Kill it or let it live. I can't make this decision yeah, for Yeah, well, you. I can't make it. Well, there's two of you here. Oh, yeah, a school teacher and an astronaut. Who's better qualified? I don't know. The president of America. Oh, take something off his plate. He makes far too many decisions anyway. She. She. Sorry. She hasn't even been into space. She hasn't even been to another planet. How would she even know what to do? I am asking you for help. Listen, we went to dinner in Berlin in 1937, right? We didn't nip out after Putin and kill Hitler. I've never killed Hitler. And you wouldn't expect me to kill Hitler. The future is no more malleable than the past. 
Okay, don't you do this to make some kind of point. Sorry. Well, actually, no, I'm not sorry. It's time to take the stabilizers off your bike. It's your moon. Womankind, it's your choice. There you, there you go. have it. Yeah. So I, I think ultimately that story was centered around that that question, really, and um, you know, and and everything else. You sort of have to, you know, grin and bear it as far as um, some of the nonsensical nonsensical things that that transpired in that. You know, yeah. it, it's up to the viewer, really. You know, what what they take out of it and what they emphasize on. But I, I can understand how those that disliked it, you know. Um, I can understand that their reasoning. Right. Uh, so then, and in, quite frightening as well. As we had, the, we had the spiders in that one as well. So it was yeah. another quite frightening episode as well. So. Yeah. So also in chat, uh, I should also point out that Sat Manager um, put in chat that his uh, his name is Donald, so it is a he. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, Professor Cronotus had agreed about uh, listen and mummy being the highlights of um, of this series. And then Mummy brings us to the next episode after the Kill of the Moon is Mummy on the Orient Express, um, which was uh, that and Flatline was sort of the the Doctor Light and Companion Light stories, if you will, overlapping stories where they, they probably were shot during the same time. Yeah, it worked very well, actually, because um, they, they, they're seeing... They're, it's not so much as though they had less screen time in them, it's just that they weren't so they were in separated. the same scenes, yeah. were it? Yeah, yeah, so that actually gave them both chance to shine. I thought it was great. Some people thought Mummy and the Orient Express, uh, there was this another uh, rapid change in Clara. You know, she wasn't going to travel with him then... Uh, then she was just one more trip sort of thing. Oh yes, um, yeah. mm -hmm. which which started at the beginning. Um, but again, we have the we, we it referenced back to the the Dalek episode with the you know the fact that uh, somebody was going to die and the doctor's saying, oh, so you're going to save me? What are you going to save me? Oh no, you're dead. But you can still give us valuable information, you know, uh, which was all the way through to something that was building up to the the twelve episode. Mm -hmm. I liked it. I thought it was a really good episode. And um, uh, we had the uh, UK comic in this one, didn't we, as well? Playing quite as the, the... Oh, yes. I thought it was actually mm -hmm. going to be um, um, uh, uh, Skinner, Frank Skinner. I thought he was going to actually play um, a more evil character because he was a little bit funny, a bit dubious at the beginning. You, you weren't quite sure about it. Uh, and in effect, as well, we we did have a very quick resolution to the actual uh, threat on the uh, on the train, but then there was a nice switcheroo, and uh, it worked very well. And we ended up with the uh, with Clara coming round on the beach after it all, it all happened. Mm -hmm. so it was um, it was it, I thought it was a very strong episode indeed. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. The the end. I thought the end was. Um... You know that that whole beach scene was um, done very well. Right. So uh, then there's uh, flatline, and um, I I thought I saw in chat um, that uh, Professor Cronotus um, definitely puts flatline up there as well. Uh, 
Yeah, so, I mean, I, okay. I think I already spoke about that. That's really when um, we see the Doctor come into his own, um, you know, I, it was an enjoyable episode. I, um, I, I, I wouldn't put it on the top of my list, but it's, um, you know, it's, I didn't have any problems with it, really. I think it was a well-liked story, uh, more so than some of the others. Yeah, I, I think my, if I recall correctly, was um, I, that <laughs> if you forgive the pun, that the and and obviously this is meant to that they're going to come back and some the, the boneless weren't fleshed out <laughs> uh, right. enough really, but it, I think it invites that a return of them in the future where we may learn more about them in, at some point. But I, I think it was a good concept, you know, where you know two D creatures interacting with the 3D world, um, I think that that concept was an interesting one to tackle. Yeah, and the, the same writer for the two, Jamie Matheson, and I think actually the fact that he pitched um, he pitched uh, Flatline as his story uh, and they'd liked it so much that uh, they said, uh, would you like to do another? Uh, and uh, then he was given the outline. It had to be, you know, on a train and have a mummy on it. So uh, the flatline was his idea that he'd uh, pitched as a as a script. The other one was given to him because he'd done such a good treatment. Uh, so it's nice to see new writers in this. And as we get to the end, we'll also find we've got uh, uh, like a new new director with the Rachel uh, Talalay. Um I don't know at what point you want to bring. Uh, Doctor Gonzo, in yeah. Let's let's um comment. Let's uh, bring him on. Or uh, yeah, it's Jim. Welcome to the show. Yeah, it's yeah. good to have you on the show. Thank you. Um, I, there's so much to do with this episode, uh, this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly think it's the most consistent season since um, since the very first couple. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's been I, very consistent. I, you know, I, I, I don't find a whole lot that I disagree with. I don't love every single thing, but I think uh, at least here, Stephen Moffat has done more to go back to the original series uh, than, than any other time mm-hmm. that it's been running. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, you know, the slow introduction of the Doctors you guys spoke about earlier is a whole lot to do with the new fan base, which, you know, for, for a long-running fan base might not be the most positive uh, spin, but you know what? It's keeping the show alive, and I think you know we, we need to accept it. Absolutely. That said, I think uh, I, I mean I mean uh, listen has got to be some of the most amazing work I've ever seen in Doctor Who. Uh, you know, you don't see it, you don't hear it. There's a there's a shadow behind you, but I, the the whole series I think screams that. Uh, my least favorite might be caretaker but but very lightly but again i i didn't hate i really didn't hate anything in the entire run since 2005 except maybe uh fear her uh but that yeah. said <laughs> i i think it's been it's been a really good season i'm looking forward to it i'm not a moffat hater um i i don't mind seeing somebody in the future but you know i i'm, I'm not discounting everything that starts from uh you know from by stephen moffat so uh, looking looking forward to next season. Looking forward to Christmas, even though Santa Claus kind of puts me off me mash. Uh, that said, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward. To, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next run. Right, well, we've got up to the moment, uh, 
Mummy on the Orient Express, but one we did skip is Time Heist. Have you got anything to say about that one since we, we, we didn't mention it? I, I mean, I think Time Heist is probably... You know, if, if there's not something Stephen Moffat does, uh, time travel is really his strongest suit. He, he really understands you don't know what happened before, um, you know, and cause and effect is really big with Moffat. I, I think I think more than anybody, uh, time travel is is his strongest suit. And and with time heist, you know, you 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 really it kind of knocks you on your feet the same way it does with the characters at the very beginning. You're like, what the heck is going on here? You know, we were just standing here, and now we're here. But that's exactly where you're supposed to be. I, I think Time Heist is, is really brilliant. And and in other seasons since the return, I think Time Heist would stand out on its own as one of the best se- se- uh, best episodes and in I the entire series. Since the- I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, uh, Psy and Cyber uh, return. There's two characters, the... Uh, uh, the, the cyborg character and the, the metamorph character return again uh, in a future episode. Uh, they, they sort of implied it at yeah. the end there where, you know, uh, the doctor gives the, the phone signal with his hands, you know, <laughs> if you ever need me again, whatever, that type of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see the, them pair up again. Yeah, uh, I mean, seriously, uh, if you're, if you're, you want to start from the beginning, and if you're lazy, you don't even have to do character development. You've got an entire show. You don't even have to develop who these people are and you're ready to go. Right. I think the one criticism I heard about Time Mice was, again, you've got a, a strong female villain again, and it seems as though uh, Stephen Moffat is obsessed with uh, with it's always a you know it's always an eye patch lady or, yeah. or whatever it always seems to be so there's some people feel as though he overuses that it's uh, this type you know, of so villain, he had yeah. issues with his own nanny if he ever had a nanny as a child you know it, it seems to be a recurring yeah. female villain yeah go ahead I'm sorry no, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of complaints that he doesn't know how to write women. I, I, I don't see any real similarity. Honestly, the most similarity I see between women characters are between River Song, the uh, the eye patch lady, uh, Madame Varian, and the, uh, the, uh, the the Pope of the Papal Mainframe. That, that's about it. Plus uh, four. <laughs> well, I, yeah, but, you know, I mean, like, yeah, they're just strong, and, and in, in a male-dominated world, strong characters might come off as being similar, but there's very, you know, very thin similarities between them. You know, Madame Kavarian was just insane and religious, and I, I, I don't, I don't really see the whole similarity. I think Clara is probably one of the most developed characters he's seen. Uh, Pond on her own, I know not everybody's naming Pond fan, but I think she stands up pretty well. Uh, oh, absolutely. So I, I think he does a very good job in, in all of this. Um, you know, you can't you can't swing a cat without hitting somebody who hates something since Doctor Who's return. But if you compare it to the original series, between the scripts and the stories, and you know, you add the special effects, which really is probably the biggest complaint of the old series. I think what what's happened in the last couple of years, and especially in this past season, is probably the best uh, you're going to see going forward. Yeah, they had some outstanding so, work in this, yes. You know, effects can, can I take it you're one of the people that's glad that Stephen's at least staying on for season nine, if not longer? 
Yeah, you know, I'm not ready to jump out of windows one way or the other. I, I think I'd be happy if somebody knew was coming on, and I'd be happy if, you know, especially if the person had a uh, background. I mean, uh, Neil Gaiman um, is, is, you know, everyone talks about loving him. And then, you know, some of the biggest complaints have been from the episode he wrote on the uh, the, the last Cyberman series of uh, season seven. So. I, I, I'd just be happy to see uh, the show continue with, with decent hands. I'm, ha- I'm fine with Stephen Moffat continuing on. Uh, if he does season 10 and 11, I, I, I could care less. I just want to see the show continue with a positive step forward and good stories. Okay. Well, we've got you on audio then. We've, we've sort of come up to flatline. Um, uh, uh, of the of the following stories, Forest of the Night, Dark Water, the, the last four stories. Any any one of those, rather than talk about all of them, is there anyone you'd like to just spend a moment or two on? Flyline uh, w- was really amazing. Uh, I, without getting into Dark Water, Dark Water was setting up for uh, Death in Heaven, uh, but Flyline right. itself, uh, what an amazing amount. Uh, character to explore these these people of these these beings whatever you want to call them they've always existed in the shadows they don't have to be there they are i i definitely see a future for them um and if if, if there's nothing uh Moffat has done in the past is to set up a really decent monster for the future uh if we look at the weeping angels and, or, and or you, even you spoke of effects i thought the effects that they did for them having them walk about that that type of effect worked very well I, I think so. I think the, uh, the the effects are great, you know. And then thinking about all the 2D that's around you, and 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 how similar they could be to uh, to, to 3D. I, I I definitely think we could see this going forward in the future. So that, that's a really strong series, uh, episode. I I don't think I can find too much that I hate in what's happened in series eight here. Right. It's certainly uh, fear uh, done properly, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, Fear Her was a little bit of a joke, uh, you know, a, 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 scribble. a, a scary scribble uh, running around and, and, and tapping people. Uh, th- but that said, um, the concept was there, and the concept was solid. If they would have only done it right, who knows what this episode would have looked like. Yeah, yeah, excellent stuff. Okay. Um, well, it, uh, do we want to just... Go to the last three episodes then, yeah. Lewis, with time and issue now, maybe. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Jim. Thanks for coming on board. And, yeah. Um, look forward to hearing from Thanks you again. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, I suppose we ought to talk about the last two episodes on their own. So before we get to that, perhaps just a little bit about Forest of the Night, which, as I said before, was the last one they, they filmed, which must have been rather... Uh, bizarre for the Danny Pink character, but um, is that uh, so? Was a, is, is that was the, yeah, I didn't realize that yeah, was, was the last block, one shot. Uh, yeah, it was in block seven. If you look on the Wikipedia page for it, uh, block six was Dark Water and Death in Heaven. Block seven was in the Forest of the Night. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that until now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, in the Forest of the Night, that was uh, that was good. I mean. Uh, it, it did take a lot from, uh, you know, uh, was it uh, Night in the Museum and uh, and things like that. But I think we've learned a little bit more about uh, Danny Fink's character. We we we've we've already found out a little bit about the fact that you know 
um, well, Danny Pink finds out during this that, you know, Clara's got uh, the books she marks in the TARDIS, yet she told him that she'd stopped travelling with the Doctor, and uh, uh, we have uh, the Doctor finally, you know, getting, uh, um, you know, more assertive. It's an episode I shouldn't really have liked because it's sort of a bit fairy tale with this, you know, magical forest coming overnight, and we have the um, you know, lots of child, children actors in it. Uh, and yeah, I found it was a very good episode. The young uh, girl who played the, uh, the 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 main girl uh, with a very funny opening scene with her knocking on the TARDIS door. Uh, I thought she was uh, uh, played Abigail, wasn't it? Uh, well, sorry, Abigail Eames was the actress who played. Uh, uh, I can't pronounce the Welsh name. Meth, was it? Uh, uh, oh, I'm not Welsh gonna, name I, I got in trouble yeah. with this because I was saying Maeve because it's spelled with a B. Maeve. Maeve. It's Maeve, it's Maeve I think. Like it's, I think it's pronounced Maeve like it, as if it was a V as in Vincent, but it's yeah. a B as in boy. B, it's M-A-E-B-H, which threw me off, and that's why I was calling her Maeve. But um, yeah. <laughs> many people... I mean, the graphics were fabulous. I mean, the other thing is that I thought, well, it must be a time-lapse thing, you know, they've sort of woken up 100 years later and it's going to be Sleeping Beauty, you know, with the world suddenly forested, and it did throw me off the, the, the sea. I mean, because it didn't say all vegetation, so it wasn't plankton on the sea. Presumably it was forest on the sea, I don't know how they worked that out. Uh, that was a, a little bit yeah, weird, but I thought it was great, uh, but we, 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 we got a little bit more to find out why, you know, you know, the doc, uh, um, uh, Clara says to uh, Danny, you know, isn't this exciting? He says, hang on a minute, we've got to get these kids to safety. Uh, and the uh, the um, the coronal mass ejection or whatever it was, uh, she was off to, wanted to go off in the TARDIS and see it. He didn't want any of that, um, you know, you know, and of course we realise that he's obviously a, a wounded man, uh, both maybe in his leg, but... Um, you know, in things that had happened to him. And that was pivotal, of course, to the, the two-parter ending. So I don't know you want to say anything more about Forest well, of the Night. <laughs> I was, when we were originally reviewing it, I was um, surprised, and I, and I expressed that to you in our reviews, that were like, why are they sleeping over in a museum? Isn't that kind of strange and all that? And, uh, well, for me it is, because when I was young, that wasn't at least... It wasn't given as an option to all the school trips I did to museums, so that's why I, it was kind of odd seeing you know school children sleeping over in a museum. But I got schooled by our listeners that it is a common practice both in the U.S. and the U.K. Um, so you know, uh, apologies there. And I do want to you know I want to welcome and invite those that do send feedback like that. Um, you know, don't, don't feel that, oh, well, you, you're criticizing me or whatever, but that's how we learn, you know, that's how I learn things. And, you know, so many things, um, you know, I, I, I don't claim to be an expert on all things. And um, so I encourage people to send in feedback. And even if, you know, if they're upset with my reaction or, or don't like my review, uh, send in your review and your rebuttal. And, um, you know, I know that speaking as a series as a whole, uh, I know many listeners, not, maybe not listeners or fans out there, uh, didn't like this series, didn't like the direction it went. Or, um, you know, so I, I welcome that feedback too. You know, I, I enjoyed this series. I, th- I thought it was very consistent. I think it's, it's, um, it's a good springboard for Capaldi. Where are we going to go now? I, I think it, it's strong in that sense. 
Um, it didn't have a lot of highs or lows. It just, you know, to me, it was middle of the road, but that's not necessarily bad. It was consistent in that respect. And um, but I, you know, the enjoyment was consistent too of it too. So I did. Have, I'm not saying it had it was problem free. It had problems, um, but nothing that was sort of a overall deal breaker that. You know, I, I want to hang my hat and not watch Doctor Who again. You know, so it, um, I'm think it's I think it's interesting where it goes. So um, I, I know we're, we were talking about Forest of the Night, and to me, this was the the weakest of them all, only because it wasn't a story that kept me compelled. Um, I, I found myself wandering off. You know, in thinking, um, you know, usually when I'm watching Doctor Who, I'm, it, it grabs me, and I'm sitting there compelled to watch and here I, I was sort of like oh I'm thirsty let's go get a glass of water or whatever and without even pausing you know and it, it just um, but it, I mean not again it wasn't horrible and it did have a lot of good things to, um, as well about it and as you said it did flesh out the characters of Clara and um, Danny as far as their you know where they were going with their relationship and how they felt with each other and which brings us to where we need to go in the next story, which sort of opens up very surprisingly with the death of Danny Pink. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I suppose we ought to, for, for time's sake, sort of deal with this two-parter as a two-parter. Uh, mm-hmm. Female director, uh, Rachel Teller, they doing a, a fantastic job, I thought, uh, directed by, uh, sorry, written by Stephen Moffat. Uh, slightly unbalanced, I thought, was the main criticism I had of this, was the, the fact that part one really was treading water. <laughs> Dark water. It was treading water, because uh, there was quite a bit of repetition and not a lot of story in the first part. It was basically setting it up for the line that really upset some people and actually rammed home what they thought about uh, what you were saying about Stephen Moffat was the fact that Clara was becoming more important, the Doctor was becoming the sidekick in his own mm. series. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was the, the thing they were levelling against it. Uh, and that was all, of course, to have um, this sort of um, uh, cue line that they could then have Clara saying, but I am the Doctor. Of course, uh, that infuriated people when in actual fact that was misdirection because she was only doing that so that the Cyberman wouldn't kill her. Although when he scanned her, why he didn't find out she only had one heart and not two. I don't know how uh, she got away with that. But we have a particularly strong final episode with an awful lot in it. We're, 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 we've had glim- more and more glimpses during the course, I think there's seven appearances of Missy during the course of the 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have this nether sphere and so on. We get to find out that, um, you know, that uh, it's that uh, Time Lord technology which uh, contain the, you know, the emotional souls of these people. We, again, we have that uh, thing that I mentioned about, you know, it was this rather bleak thought that uh, younger viewers might have to consider the fact that, you know, Granny you dad last, like, last week um, had a rather hot funeral and didn't enjoy it um, because, you know, they were saying, you know, this, this, this uh, idea that they were trying to promote people not to be cremated because they needed the body parts. Uh, of course, the doctor saw through that straight away. But nonetheless, uh, that was that was put forward as a, an idea and tenant behind it. Uh, uh, Rice pudding rain. Uh, thanks. Uh, it's just got to go. Thank you. Um, 
but yeah, uh, so I thought the the two party was a little bit uh, unbalanced. Uh, but we had uh, quite a lot, didn't we? We had um, um, the Brigadier's daughter coming to the fore in this particular story, uh, showing very strong, uh, which people admired and liked. But then we had a scene right towards the end in the graveyard where, uh, as, um, as um, somebody said in text, uh, Professor Cronus again, uh, elephant in the room, are Amy and Rory now Cybermen? Because, of course, we had uh, the Brigadier mm -hmm. uh, coming to rescue his daughter. There's some lovely scenes in it now. I love this. Um, and, and I missed out way back. We had one scene where the TARDIS was underwater, which was a lovely scene. I used that as my wallpaper for a bit. Then my current wallpaper at the moment on my computer is the series of the TARDIS rising out like uh, the Starship Enterprise uh, above the, the clouds. Um, uh, uh, mm -hmm. So we have some lovely scenes like that. We have the scene of the Doctor skydiving into the TARDIS. Some people wanted him to have clicked his fingers rather than use a key, but uh, really very clever. The, the, the massive rolling sets they use for the aeroplane, um, the killing off of... What some people say is a, a favourite character. Um, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, well, she's only actually been in two stories. Yeah. Um, was she a noble sacrifice that was needed to, you know, to, to present the jeopardy? We had the very... Uh, well, I mean, I hope she doesn't come back unless they go back in her timeline. I don't want her... I, I mean, I think it would devalue her death if they bring her back. Right, um, right. So, you know... Yeah, um, we we had very creepy water, uh, and I believe, uh, and you've got a good sound system, haven't you? This the, mm -hmm. the the sound effects for the whole series, the the sound. Yeah, although the, we've the had five point one mix Gold's, was good. Yeah, although we've had less of Murray Gold's music, I don't think, uh, you know, from week to week, I don't think we've been going on and on about his music, but we have been going on about the sound effects uh, from quite a few of these episodes. So it's certainly um, risen to prominence over uh, over some of the musical elements and themes, um, and of course these are these Cybermen are now our world, our dimension of Cybermen, and um, we also learned, of course, in this two-parter that Missy wasn't the Rani, wasn't an immortal, but was indeed a female version of the Master. Um, by, I don't mind that in some ways. I know I, I, I haven't really got my head around it because um, the reason why I didn't like it was because I don't want it to be a portent of the doctor. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the doctor becoming female. And again, if anybody says, well, why don't you want a female doctor? I honestly can't tell you whether it's some inbuilt prejudice on my part. I don't know. Because um, if you can change colour, you can change hair, you can change height. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I, I already I expressed my sex, my point. So, I, I mean, I won't go back to it. But to, to, to me, it's it's a regeneration thing. You can't, you know, there, there should be some constraints on what you can and can't do with a regeneration. So, I mean, it, it comes down to that as far as, I mean, the master already lost his body and had taken over uh, Tremus. And, um, and I don't know, you know, n n now he's, I don't know what he's doing now or she's doing as far as bodies go. So we don't know how he got her, you know, how he became right. her yet. 
but I think, you know, in interviews, um, Stephen Moffat said that, you know, it, we've established now that, you know, time lords can change genders and, and regeneration. So uh, that's that's his, you know, his feelings. And I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know where things. Well, go. it was Neil Gaiman who first brought it, wasn't it? In the Doctor's Wife, I think there was a reference to a female time lord in, uh, so a, a, a time lord who changed sex in that. But all in all, um, although it was a little bit lopsided, this two two part, um, the the I thought it was a, a very very satisfactory ending to the series. Um, and let me go back to one of the first things I said on today's call, and that was the fact that um, uh, I thought it, it harkened back a little bit to uh, one of my other favourite companions, Sarah Jane Smith, and the fourth Doctor, with that uh, conversation where, you know, uh, of course we've had the thing where Danny Pink, Danny is, he's done the honourable thing, uh, he had a chance of coming back after the, the big scene, uh, he'd saved the world, he had become a uh, an unworldly soldier, as you said, uh, Lewis. Uh, but um, uh, he'd made that sacrifice. He'd been haunted by the this child that had died, um, and he sacrificed his happiness with Clara to fulfil that promise. That if he ever could, he would protect that child. Um, but then we have the, the the scene in the cafe where, the, as far as the doctor's concerned. She's, her and Danny are now okay, and he's okay because the the master told him the coordinates of Gallifrey. And as far as Clara's concerned, he knows where Gallifrey is now. And remember, we had the Matt Smith uh, doctor saying, you know, I know where I'm going now. I'm going home the long way round. And uh, it's taken a whole series of uh, this detour to get to that point. But uh, here we have this scene where they're both lying to each other, and it's exactly a mirror image of, uh, um, you know, the, the, uh, Sarah Jane Smith saying, I'm leaving, and um, the doctor saying, well, I've something important to tell you. Yes, I know, and uh, no, uh, it's Gallifrey, and it's an exact reversal of that, and I thought that was a lovely little scene. Mm. Uh, so all in all, I'm extreme now. I would rate this is the one of the strongest series Ever. The couple of week episodes, a couple of things I didn't like, but I would say it's, you know, there were more four out of fives and four and a half out of fives. Uh, the only one I've really got con issues with is the Robert of uh, Sherwood one. Uh, uh, Caretaker and Kill the Moon, maybe. Uh, it, it's sort of a bit of a U shaped curve. It, it did flatten out a little bit in the middle but uh, I don't think I rate any of the stories less than a 3 out of 5 uh, and, and and the average must be a good 4 out of 5 for me and um, I think uh, my favourite was uh, I'm, I suddenly realised I'm giving my summation here of what I think I think Listen was my favourite episode uh, alongside the final uh, Death in Heaven one uh, yeah. But uh, I thought it was an extremely strong series. Mm -hmm. uh, but I understand there are some people that feel as though, you know, the Doctor's been all at sea under this episode. And really, just let's hope that uh, this Doctor's on board for three series because, you know, he's used up one series just establishing him that, well, actually, he undercuts it by saying, I'm Doctor, Doctor, I'm Doctor Idiot. Uh, but in actual fact, we're, we now know that... Um, all the pawns are in place on the chessboard, as it were, and hopefully the next series should be even better. Seems a pity we've got to wait 
I don't know when, but we've got the Christmas episode, and I just didn't, I must admit, that brought back my one thing. I don't really like these Christmassy Christmas of well, Christmas. Yeah, Christmas same here. I've episode. been saying that for so a while. I just hope there's an explanation for why Jack Frost is... Uh, and he was able to get into the TARDIS again, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, um, you know, he, he didn't, the Doctor didn't let him in. He walked in. He had the power to get into the TARDIS. So there you yeah. go. We'll, we'll and, see uh, with that. Professor Cronus says, absolutely, one of the best seasons ever. If anybody else wants to put something quickly in text, I'm sure Lewis will give time oh, absolutely. to read it out yeah. when he gets to the end of his summation. No, I, I, I'm going to say that I agree mostly with what you just said, Dave. I, I think it's... Um, overall, I think it was very consistent. It was very strong. Um, I think it's a good springboard to see where Peter Capaldi is going to go next. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it it established who he was as the Doctor, and I, I'm hoping that, um, you know, now that we sort of got the whole relationship with Clara and, and Danny out of the way, that maybe, um, you know, he would be more front and center in the next series. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's... Um, you know, as far as like strong and episodes, again, I'll agree with you. I think "Listen" is a standout episode only because there was no adversary. It was fear was the adversary, and I think it was. Um, I think they did that very well, and also playing on sound itself. You know, where um, the the audio soundtrack for that episode was a character in the story, and um, and I think that played very well. Um, you know, and I and I think the the, the finale was strong in its as well you know uh dark water again as we already when we reviewed it really was just um leading up to death in heaven you really you you really can't review those separately i think mm-hmm. you have to take those two episodes as one story uh, you know so i i think the the story arc paid off well um you know again it's not flawless that, that i did have problems with lots of things in various episodes but overall, the enjoyment factor was there, and I enjoyed the series. I'll, I'll, you know, if I had to give the whole series a Tardis Grown rating, I would give it four Tardis Groans, three and a half to four Tardis Groans, probably four Tardis Groans um, as a whole. You know, um, individually, episodes um, ranked lower or higher depending on the episode. But um, I, I think it's um, interesting to see where things go now, and I'm obviously looking forward to where where things may go, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, sat managers put that also in text, most consistent with the episode uh, this year, and he'd already given it that it was his best season since the reboot. Uh, and again, um, I, I think it was the nature of the story that they had with the idea that, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the Doctor, you know, finding out who he is, uh, uh, I mean, for some people, it was flatline when they said, now that's the Doctor, when he stepped through and gave that speech. Although it was rather funny, I thought it was undercut by the fact that he came out prancing out of the thingy and then said, this, you know, this dimension, uh, instead of this world, this dimension is protected. Mm-hmm. Some people feel as though the Doctor shouldn't have to say that before people consider him the Doctor. Yeah, I to agree. Me, I don't he became, think... uh, yeah, to me, he became the Doctor before the episode of Flatline. Yeah. Um, uh, probably Mummy on the Orient Express. Uh, uh, but it certainly was a long gestation for this Doctor. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, there is some... I think both of us are reserving... And maybe even the people that have put in text, we're assuming now that you know that is established. We don't want you know 
the character is now fairly fully developed mm -hmm. this incarnation of the doctor uh, we want it to be adventure-led i think next yes. season is that yeah. i agree yeah, yeah what do you think yeah absolutely I, I think we really need to focus on that that's why i'm hoping clara stays on board the tardis and we can just go and um and and have some good stories and good adventures and not have to um you know put you know i think we've, we've already established everything that we needed to establish with with the doc, who the doctor is and who Clara is, and now we can go forward um, with or without whether or not Jenna Coleman's going to continue or not. I, I, I think we need, I think we can go forward. You know, there, there's some unanswered questions that might be, you know, answered later on. You know, again, with uh, Danny Pink's future and all that, I don't know. We'll see. You know, Stephen Moffat has a way of, of coming back. And um, answering these things, but let's. Um, I think we're going to close out the show. So I want to thank everyone that that listened uh, or listening. And uh, and if you have a contrary opinion, because uh, like I said, I know there there are a lot of fan reaction out there that that um, didn't like this series. So we want to hear from you too, though you might not be listening to the show because um, <laughs> it's uh you know obviously we're, we're speaking we're singing we're um, speaking to the chorus here. As in, I'm, I'm mixing my my uh, sayings, whatever. So uh, yeah, as always, you can go to podchock.net. You can call the Podchock public call box. Uh, if you go to feedback on at podchock.net, uh, there's the call box number is two zero six three three seven four six nine nine, and give a call to that number. It works as voicemail, and you can leave feedback there. You can email us at feedback at podchock.net. And Dave, thank you. Um, you can catch Dave on the Coltum Collective every week uh, on uh, TalkShoe as well. Also, you can, after the fact, listen to the show on um, iTunes and your favorite podcasting client, um, you know, podcasting, podcast catching client. Yeah. And if uh, Lewis read that phone number two quickly, just ask the lady in the shop. She'll give you the number. Yes, the lady in the shop. Yes. Uh, again, it's uh, the number may change, so I, I urge you go to podchock.net and get the number there. But uh, right now it's 206-337-4699 for the Pachak public call box. And just leave a, a, just keep it down to a couple of minutes. And those that did send in feedback throughout the series that weren't on the live show, I, I was hoping to play the, play those feedbacks in this episode. It didn't work out. Uh, but we'll do a studio show which will um, play those um, feedbacks. So they're, they're not lost, you know, and we haven't forgotten about you. All right, so I think that's going to wrap things up. Thank you, Dave. I know it's been a long night for you. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening and participating. Until next time, you know, um, we'll, we'll have more episodes before now on Christmas, but until the next live show, it should be the Christmas special, and hopefully the audio snafus that we had today will be worked out. So um, cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. 
end of the road. This is it. The end of everything. The last planet. The end of the universe. The TARDIS isn't supposed to come this far, but some idiot turned the safeguards off. Listen. To what? Nothing. 